Welcome to the Crazy Cool Family Podcast with Don and Suzanne Manning. Parents, what if we could give you the power to transform your family into something absolutely amazing? A family where everyone is healthy, gets along, loves Jesus, and has great purpose in life. Hey, let us flip your thinking to unlock the power God has given you to create your own Crazy Cool Family. Hello, welcome to the Crazy Cool Family Podcast. We're so glad you're here with us this summer as we talk about who knows your kid best by talking to all of our kids. Because we know our kids best. Yes. And so <laughs> and they know themselves now best because they're adults. And that's kind of the goal we wanted to do with you guys is we just wanted to bring our adult children to you so that they could talk about it when they were little, what they remember growing up, what they remember about us as parents, the things we did right and the things we did wrong. And today we have our the last daughter, the fourth child, the middle child. The big sister, the, the, the direct connection to the big sister to the little brothers. And the little sister to the big sisters. Yes. Mackenzie, we are uh, so glad to get with you. Mackenzie is in Arkansas. She lives in Arkansas, but she's, uh, she works for the University of Arkansas and working on her master's in counseling. So she coaches, but then she's working on her master's in counseling. So Mackenzie has great insight into relationships, into people, into herself, into our family. So, uh, man, let's just jump in. Um, yeah, so, you know, um, one of the questions we keep asking everybody is, you know, what were, what were you like when you were little? Nobody remembers the answer to this question. Like, I don't know. But what do you remember about being little? Yeah, I definitely don't remember very clearly, minus what I see in pictures. Um, but I, yeah, y'all know better than I do about what I was like as a younger child. Um, but I remember my junior year of high school, us watching family videos and all of us being very surprised by how um, aggressive or angry as a child I was in these videos. And if you know me now, I'm not that way. And I'm normally very like kind and pleasant and um, very like not confrontational. But in these videos, yeah, I think I was in these videos, it explained that I was pretty angry or frustrated. Well, what, um, what I think is crazy, Kinsey, about those videos is we were all surprised because you know, when we ask what we like as a little girl, okay, I was there. I mean, and dad was there so we can tell. I mean, and so parents, Kenzie was the most easy compliant baby ever. I mean, she never, she, she just, it's almost like you didn't have any needs whatsoever. She didn't, she wasn't, I, I laughed because she wouldn't get cold. She wasn't hot. You know, she was just super what regular. Yes. Yeah, she didn't have to sleep or she, she would sleep, you know, I'd put her in her bed and she would go to sleep and then she'd wake up, but she wouldn't cry to get out of bed. And so I would say just easy to be around compliant, go with the flow. I, I mean, she was our baby. Remember that we, we went to church and came home and got everybody out of the car and she was in a carrier still and got in the house to go take our Sunday nap and Mackenzie was still in the car. And I was yeah. like, babe, you didn't get Mackenzie? And dad, Don's like, I didn't get Mackenzie. You didn't get Mackenzie? And we went to check on her and she's just sitting in the car in her little car seat, just, you know, in her little carrier, just like happy as could be that she had a moment of silence with those four big sisters. And so, that to me kind of sums up Mackenzie. So go back to your video. 
I mean, we were surprised when we went back and saw those because I think even in our mind, you were that. I mean, that's who you were. That's who we saw when you were. That's who our memories are of you. That's who you are today. Yeah, which ultimately looking back, I think that they're, I'm like becoming more in tune with my, like, my emotion of anger and how it comes out not aggressively but actually very passively as i've become an adult um and seeing that video is actually really helpful to realize realize oh that's what it looks like whenever i was a child to be angry and i think another thing that we'll probably talk about later is the idea like i was not used to being the center of attention and i didn't like uh being videoed like that's just something i didn't really enjoy so anytime i was videoed I was not enjoying that space because being watched in that manner or being videoed was not something that I genuinely enjoyed. So, well, and I think you had, um, you have three older sisters, all of whom are, and you are a very confident person as well, but they are also confident and kind of boisterous, kind of uh, talkative, and they tend to dominate a room. And they um, do want to be the center of attention, the opposite of what maybe you wanted. And, and you were just kind of, you know, it felt like that. Um, and if someone asked, you were the kind of child, I feel like, that if someone was one-on-one -on -one with you or asked you a question, you love to talk and love to engage with people. But when it was in a crowd or whatever, you would rather just, you would, your voice would become kind of silent and you would kind of blend in versus want to, want to be the center of attention or even want to be loud. Yeah, and even I was remembering a story of whenever we were all sitting around the kitchen table and I said something that made everyone laugh and then I started bawling, yeah. like crying so hard and ran away. And I remember daddy being like, Mackenzie, come back. Like, do not run away. Like, come back right now. And like forcing me to come back in the space to like, continued interact or even talk about why I was crying. I don't remember any of the other details around that, but like the moment I was in the center of attention being laughed around, like I freaked out at <laughs> that space. Well, and so, you know, and the reason you, you thought they were laughing, they were making fun of you when in reality they were laughing at, they thought it was funny what you said. And it was kind of off the wall. It wasn't, you know, because you didn't talk much. And so when you did, it was like, Who's that? You know, and hysterical. Yeah. I mean, Mackenzie is absolutely hysterical when given the space and the time to talk. She is absolutely hysterical. And I think that we were discovering that even going back to that memory that, oh my gosh, that was so funny. Yeah. And she's also always been super relational. I mean, like, for example, um, would literally, this is the child that walked me to my car, would get up out of bed. Like if you were like was if she was in bed asleep, would hear me leave, run to make sure that she walked me out to my car on the way to work so she could say goodbye to me and uh, things like that that were unusually relational for, uh, you know, as you grew up would ask questions, even as a, you know, as a uh, grade schooler or a middle schooler would ask questions to people where people would be like, who is this child? They're, you know, they're asking questions that I don't know how to ask and I'm an adult. Mm -hmm. So always super relational and kind of behind the scenes. Uh, maybe sometimes could be uh, like in the car we were, you know, when she was little, just kind of blend in versus stand out. And so I wonder, like, you know, just looking at that, Kenzie, um, when we parented you growing up, 
what worked with that type of child and what would you say maybe didn't work or was didn't connect with you? Yeah, I would say mainly because I was very, uh, I don't know, a well-behaved child, there wasn't a lot of parenting needed in regards to like disciplining or correcting my behaviors. Because I think from a pretty young age, I would look at my older siblings and be like, not doing that. <laughs> no, <laughs> I would rather be on the good side of my parents than on that side because I don't want to be disciplined. Um, and I think the parenting came more in like how to be relational with a child that was acting like an adult. <laughs> like Even though I was clearly and totally a child, the parenting came more from like when I asked you about how y'all's marriage was at the age of 10, figuring out how to like foster being you really want to know we yeah. <laughs> share this yeah. with the 10 year old i don't know <laughs> and so i think that's where the parenting came in more was giving the space and time to notice me in the midst of my three older siblings and then mommy being pregnant for most of my childhood and then having to take care of all of these girls too and then i think dad for you it came from you like choosing to like tune into that relational energy that I have and letting us meet each other in that space of being relational and grabbing, uh, like going on a daddy daughter date. And I just remember us going to Sonic and Subway all the time, or even Smoothie King, like just getting these different meals because you love eating out and getting those experiences, but then having it be relational in that space. And so I think that's a lot of where the parenting came from. I don't know. Well, there's one thing that I wanted to to bring up. That it seems it seemed like you, Mackenzie, were more comfortable in an adult world than a children's world. Mm-hmm. Like I had, there's I have so many memories to come back where you've interacted with our friends, or you've like I just remember when you were a little girl and we took you to Awamas, which was a club that you know um, was through the church that taught about scripture memory and you did not want to be left with your class you did not want to at all and the director loved you she just adopted you and I would find you walking around the halls with her just visiting and talking with her and you never you didn't go into your class and the same thing with Sunday mornings you know if you if we were not leading a class if we were leading a class you were with us or your sisters you were with your sisters but you were never in your own class and so do you remember being more comfortable with adults than you were with you know your peers I remember now still enjoying being with adults (laughs) years so I assume that it continued um but yeah for sure and I think even as I went into like middle school and uh, like high school ages I still like I love my friends and I love being around them, but I was attuned to the adult in the room and did not see them as an intimidating figure to avoid or run away from. But I saw them as a well of wisdom that I wanted to interact with or a person that could be my friend, too. Well, you have a story about Todd with McKinsey. Oh, well, yeah. I mean, I was going to say even I'll get to that, but it's also that um, with a child like that, that, you know, a lot of times those those kids are not seen because they, and it's easy to overlook them, but, but really just what you said before, I want to bring out is that you, it, that's, it's a great thing as a parent to notice that child and to pursue the relationship with the child. Uh, what my buddy Todd said was, you know, he would just, you know, be with you. Maybe this was middle school or high school, maybe young high school and say, you know, who is this child? McKenzie asked me questions that just what I said before that an adult would ask 
because it's like being interviewed every time. She's just, it's so much fun to talk to her. And I think that, and you also are very, um, I think you found it hard to talk about yourself, a lot easier to talk about others, right? Or to draw others out, which is a gift. And, and when, you know, sometimes with children like that, it's like, how do you get them to engage about themselves? Because many times they're, they're so focused on other people, right? Yeah, and a lot of my childhood was, especially in groups, which was most of my life, was listening to everyone else's stories and experiences. And I remember at a young age, resolving in my mind, like, oh, I'm not going to interrupt people. I'm not going to put myself into a situation. I will only speak when I'm invited. So I'm going to become really good at teaching others. Obviously, as a child, I wasn't like audibly coming to these realizations, (laughs) but deciding, okay, when I am invited to speak, I will speak. But if it for, if I'm going to force myself into a conversation, it doesn't feel worth it to me. It doesn't feel like that person actually wants to hear my words. Um, and so I, I think that was another big part is adults. I was like, Oh, if I can ask a question, I wonder how long they can talk about themselves and what I can hear from what they're saying. Cause I think they could talk for a long time and they would. And it was like, it's working. I am. And then it was like, I am being seen by this person by creating a space for them to be heard. Um, yeah. And so that's, I want to, I'm so glad that you brought that up Mackenzie, because I do see children out there that do, um, desire adults, um, attention and or conversation. And I've talked to so many moms that have said that she won't leave my side. Like my daughter won't leave my side. She's just there all the time. She's just wanting to be a part. And I have said over and over again, she's trying to figure out what it looks like to be an adult. She just wants to be where you are and do what you do and talk about the things that you're talking about because to her that's interesting and to she's learning. And so I just think that that's kind of what you did too. You just were a little bit more interested in what's happening in the adult world than the pretend imaginary world. And that feeds into what I did with my friends. Like we would, I don't even remember all the things I played as a little child, but I remember having so many close friends and I also had a lot of guy friends around me for some reason, like when it, all the people my age were guys for the most part, um, or a good number of them, especially through the homeschooling years. And so what I learned from the adults informed what I did when I played with the kids, with my fellow friends. And so also knowing that, like the attention that I received from the parents did not necessarily take away from my experiences with my friends because play is so valuable and important. So I remember clear memories of playing with my friends. But yes, I definitely did not feel afraid to talk to adults and be close to adults. Also, I know that I'm I'm quality time and I love spending quality time. And I don't know if a lot of my friends I would consider had quality time experiences when I was coming to play. So yeah, (laughs) that's good. (laughs) Mackenzie was so quality time that she would tell us stories about families and we were like where are these coming from and they were from tv shows that you watch and you would be like because you were so engrossed in these people's lives and you the relationship relationships and what they were doing that you would tell us all about it so um to kind of transition a little bit you we were mentioning your older sisters and so you have this unique situation in that you were the little sister to in total four sisters and then you were the big sister to three little brothers. And it's almost like two different um, aspects of your life. And so... Errors. Errors, yeah. Errors. So, <laughs> you know, we, we alluded a little bit, you know, we obviously the, the, the 
oldest three girls, big personalities, and um, and a couple of them pretty emotional. Um, how did you relate to your sisters first? I mean, and, and what did that look like? And shared a room with Macy for many years, the, the one right above you. Mm -hmm. Yeah, so I was definitely the baby of the girls. And the girls era were the Manning girls. That's what we were. That's who we are. I've heard it said that we could run a small village. <laughs> I don't <wouldn't> disagree. <laughs> um, but that season was definitely... I don't know, mom, you could probably speak into that more than me, but it seemed like a tiring season for you having four, it was like a four on two, four on one most of the time. Um, and I think that, yes, my sisters are amazing and I love friendship and relationship with them now and did at that time, I think. <laughs> but they were, they're loud, they're opinionated. You've gotten to hear from them beforehand. Um, they're emotional, they're adventurous and fun, um, but also, like challenging relational human beings that I got to live with for so many years. And I think from living and being so close with all of them, I definitely as a little girl had a clear understanding of what it was to be a girl, which was a really cool thing. And I think I'm, I'm really thankful to have had all of those toys and things to play with. Like I think if, and I honestly think if I was the only girl it would not have been the same experience as having three older sisters and getting to be a part of a girl community because I think it really taught me how to be friends with girls and how to not let drama be the center of our conversations or relationships and to like work through conflict. And I was pretty um, uh, overshadowed by them for <laughs> sure. And uh, I would say, Y'all had a lot of energy going towards them. And I don't think that I felt the most like need to be the center of attention or to be, uh, yeah, I just didn't really learn how to be out there with them, but I learned what it looks like for other people to be out there and what I didn't really want to do. And so I love that. I want to pick up on that a little bit because, um, but you learned what you didn't want to do. And so I remember that because I remember dressing you guys all similar, you know, or wanting to do your hair and putting bows in your hair. You're going to have to share with everybody how you felt about bows. I did you not know. like them. <laughs> <laughs> and so it was because Mackenzie was baby girl. And so we were going to dress her up just to, to as long as we could. And she was she, a little dolly. That yeah, exactly. And she had found her voice very early that and I mean and I and I, I just attribute it back to you didn't want to be as the center of attention you didn't want to be noticed you didn't want to be doted on if we walked in someplace and all y'all were all dressed alike and you're all standing out and you just wanted to I mean and I relate that's so much me there's so many things that you're like yeah you're saying that I'm like yeah I'd, I'd rather be behind the scenes I'd rather not draw attention to myself I would rather you I would rather talk about you than me and so I get all of that but even just talking to you now and going back to when you were a little girl that little sister you um you went along and you did until you didn't until you didn't want to until they pushed the push the you know forced you to play something that you weren't gonna you didn't want to play or made you do something and then you wouldn't do it i mean and you so you stood your ground too mm -hmm. yeah i i sat in the extremes <laughs> of <laughs> definitely just playing along and then saying no and and I think I also like had to, it was hard for me to say no and to put myself out there in the no, because 
I was so used to being like, sure, sure, sure. Yeah, sure. But then it was like, no, this is my limit. This is my line. I can't. And so then I would get angry or outburst. Yeah. Um, and so just a little insight into McKinsey, you're a nine on the Enneagram. Obviously we didn't know that we didn't have the, you know, verbiage back then. And then you're wing eight, right? And so that's the challenger. And so the peacemaker and the challenger, but looking back on it and seeing who she is now and who she was, it's like, oh yeah, you were definitely the peacemaker. You definitely were the one that brought the, um, the, the uh, connection, if you wanted to, uh, with everybody, like you tried to make everybody happy and make everybody get along. Mm -hmm. And fill needs, like where I saw needs, I filled it. And oftentimes in the girl era, the need was silence. I was like, I don't need to add anything. <laughs> There's way too much going on. Just I don't your need mother, Your mother's like, oh my gosh. <laughs> <laughs> like, not, I'm not going to cry. I'm not going to, I'm not going to be cold. None of it. Um, which I think then feeds into the boy era where I was wanting each of them to feel heard and seen and ultimately wanting to pull out whatever was inside of them in order for them to get to feel like they could be a part of a conversation, whether it's the conversation in the whole group or pulling each of them aside at different points and getting to understand what's actually inside of them. Because I think, again, whenever we're all in a room together, there, Madeline and Molly definitely have the loudest voices and then Macy's not afraid to chime in. And then all of us just sit silently and we'll chime in every like few hours. <laughs> but for the most part, there's like a pretty <laughs> strong- you're passionate about. Mm -hmm. But that's for you you and Michael would even take up for each other. If, if they, if they interrupted, which is the norm, we interrupt each other. If they would interrupt you or Michael, then y'all would, you know, step up and say, Hey, she was talking or Hey, he was talking. Well, I think also when you go, if we switch to the boys, you know, you and Michael, I think this is a great thing to dig into a little bit. You and Michael both had um, speech issues and things like that. As a young children, you had a little bit of reading, issues and, and really uh, I remember as you were growing up um, we couldn't understand you all the time and Michael was the same way we couldn't understand him all the time and really you guys started to develop all you but you could understand each other mm -hmm. so can you remember that and can you tell us anything about that dynamic yeah mainly just very quiet and mumbling that was our secret <laughs> 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 if you got really yeah, close yeah <laughs> put a microphone um yeah i i think that that season of time definitely prepared us for other seasons in the future to know each other and to see each other and hear each other um and to like pick up on the language that might not be words <laughs> with each other um and i think michael will probably talk about that in the next podcast um but i think that it was i don't distinctly remember that time i remember going to voice lessons and me or like uh speech lessons and my i love me loving my girl and michael having a harder time with his the person that he met with um and having a great time unlike your girl <laughs> <laughs> having a great time with this person um and us even like doing that activity together or even whenever we learned we had dyslexia and getting to walk through Barton together. And even those, I don't know if it was a year or two years that Michael and I homeschooled together with just you mom, which ultimately looked like us going to Walmart from nine to 10 and then doing schoolwork from 10 to 12. And that was about it. Tuesdays and Thursdays. <laughs> that's what I remember. <laughs> babies for mother's day out. Yeah. That's exactly right. And all the sisters were away at school. Yeah. Mm -hmm. 
but loving that time and getting to make each other meals during that season. And then even stepping into the private school that we went to that was five days a week at the same time. I think that Michael and I just had a lot of unique steps together. And I think whenever we were learning how to talk to each other in our quiet language, that definitely fed into that time. Well, and I want to point out to parents, it's like if you, you know, we, we are talking about how to parent different children. And so often, you know, we, we just got off a podcast with Macy where she was talking about some of her struggles as she grew up with how she looked and things like that and how, you know, we did our best. And I think she said we did a decent job or maybe even a good job of, of speaking life into her in that season. You know, it would, it would be easy with a child that's maybe shy, quote unquote, or, um, you know, has a little bit of a, you know, a, a speech problem to say, hey, get out there, come on, you know, and, and really be like your sisters. And in, instead, what I think, and, and I'll give the credit to Suzanne, you know, really just look at it and saying, hey, we've got some uniqueness here. Let's figure out there's an issue when they need to learn how to talk and not mumble. That's a good thing. But how you do it and how you draw that child out to be their best. And even with the relationship with Michael, of going through a specific curriculum designed to help you and address the problem without just saying, oh, you got to get better, you know? Mm -hmm. I think those are some really good ways, that, some really good things to learn about how to parent a child like Mackenzie, who is, mm -hmm. and then we'll get to Michael here in a little while, who's got his unique uh, giftings too, of, you know, just how you, how you find the core of who that child is. And so as you get yeah, older, yeah, go for it. And I think one more thing to add to that with my interaction with my siblings, Macy and Michael fought a lot, like big, we can have a whole nother podcast on fights. And then, uh, Madeline and the big brother that Michael didn't have, like they would physically wrestle and fight. I mean, and it was like, it was the first time we ever had that because the girls didn't fight with each other. And Michael didn't really fight with his little brothers really. Cause we didn't really allow it because they were younger than him. And so Macy took that burden on and you're stuck in the middle. And so also whenever you're having the apology time between the two siblings that are fighting, look at the one who might be the peacemaker in the middle and be like, how are you? Like you just walked through this like whole experience of seeing your siblings like beat up on each other. And I think that might've been a piece of where that like angry uh, lack of control, not wanting to be center of attention came from was having this dynamic of them fighting and being the one that was like, I don't know which team to side. I don't know what to do. Like, how do I make it stop? <laughs> but also they seem like they're having fun and then they start crying. Like, <laughs> and so even seeing the child who like is not in the fights, but is watching the fights happen and maybe even touching base as the parent being the child that was in that situation. I think that could be helpful or that could have been helpful. And I don't even know if y'all did that, but that is just something that I was thinking That's about. Good. That's good. Well, and your your relationship, speaking of Macy, you know, when you all were in the same, you know, parents ask sometimes, should our children stay in the same room together? And you and Macy lived together for many years. And 10 whole years. Yeah. Now, does that include college or is that? No, not including college. Oh, really? Was it 10? Wow, that's crazy. 10 before you left for college. Mm -hmm. So 10 of your 18 years. Yeah. Oh, that's crazy. That's crazy. More than know. half. I didn't know. I don't know if I realized there was that many. And um, yeah, so um, and the dynamic of that two very different personalities. 
Mm -hmm. So, you know, and, uh, you know, how did that shape you as you were growing up? Yeah, I think living with someone for 10 years, what we walked through a lot of seasons and similar to what y'all talked about with Macy last podcast. Um, she was like not loving herself. And so from the place of not necessarily loving herself, it was hard to love her little sister who had no weight problems and wasn't even thinking about anything like that and trying to come in and be a, an encouragement encourager and a support to her in that season while being years younger than her. Um, I think there's a feeler and Macy's a feeler. So then mm -hmm. there's a logic level there. Yeah. I'm like, no, Macy, you're beautiful. You know that. And she's like, <laughs> you feel that. I'm like, what, <laughs> what do you mean? Um, and yes. And then her also being way more neat. I am not a very organized person. That's another thing. I'm just not very clean. Um, I don't know what I was like as a child, but I definitely did not have OCD and do not have well, it. You're very now. clean. Let's make that. Let's clarify that. You're very clean. You're just not your little Bessie. I'm not organized. I always say I'm not organized street smart. So the organized ways of how to do things do not come naturally to me, but I want to do them. I crave the order, but I don't know how to set the systems into place. And so I choose the person instead of cleaning my room and have for a while in my life. Um, and so with that, I think that our, we definitely clashed a lot and Macy was more uh, opinionated and certain about what she wanted. And I was more there to serve and passive and didn't really have a very strong voice. And so that created a lot of opportunity in our room to, um, like ended up with me sleeping on the top bunk with her not wanting to, but ended up being there because that's what she wanted. Or like, I don't like the feeling of wind. And so fans, whenever I sleep is just not enjoyable to me. Similar to that bow line where I'm like, I don't like this. And so I don't want to do this, which ended up being me turning off the fan and then ending up getting back up, turning on the fan and sleeping the bed for years, like years. I slept with a blanket over my head. Um, yeah. So those are like some of the relational intentions, but now I feel like I'm have I actually have a voice and have learned how to have a voice and and have learned how to actually apologize and mean it because I think I would often apologize for something that Macy did and I'll be like what can I take responsibility for so that we can just get through this let me apologize and so I would just say I'm sorry all the time I'm sorry I'm sorry I'm sorry I'm sorry when I didn't actually know what it meant to mean meant to apologize um and so I think that's what I've learned too as I I can apologize but I only want to apologize whenever I actually know what I'm apologizing for and I don't want to just apologize to wash over the situation but I've learned that from Macy like Macy is one of the most humble people and comes back and apologizes so I think our dynamic being in the same room for 10 years brought out in us uh, a balance of what it looks like to actually interact with people well and, and so y'all learn so many things about each other and I love that I mean and so when like fast forward to college with you guys I always thought that was so funny yeah. So now then whenever I was a freshman, Macy asked me if I would come live with her as a junior with her two other junior friends, or our sophomore friend, and then me as a freshman. And it was at Texas A&M. And so they didn't need us to live in the dorm. So I actually could live with this group of people. And it was so sweet. And she had lived with a lot of other people since then, I think realized how much she loved me and needed a <laughs> <laughs> roommate. I need her back. Oh, no. Uh, but that's where I like really got to see her navigate these relationships with these three other women that we lived with. Um, 
I got to have my own room for those two years that we lived together, which was so nice to just get to retreat into my room if I needed to. And then she ended up sharing a bedroom with two other girls. Um, and just anytime you wanted. Yeah, I did whatever I wanted with the fan. Um, but that space was really helpful for me to in that season, but to also know that I had a big sister and three other women that were amazing living in the same place. But she really did create a family dynamic and a women, like a woman dynamic where we became uh, Psalms 31 women in that house and the way that we served each other and loved each other. And so it was like, it was really redeeming <laughs> from our little years to then grow up and live in the same room or same house. Yeah, so back up a little bit. So both of you guys are in college, but then, you know, you started to develop a relationship with God. One of the things that started with the healing of that was just developing a relationship with God and developing. When did that really start for you? When do you remember, like, first connecting with Jesus? Yeah, so whenever I watched those home videos, I remember it being my junior year and having a conversation with God of, like, who was that? Like, who was that little girl? And him kindly coming in and being and letting me know, he's like, hey, that's who you used to be. And through consistently connecting with me, interacting with me, knowing me, I have like made you into who you are today. And so ultimately, like when I share my testimony or my story, it's not a one moment, this all changed. But I really do think it was being in a culture and an environment where people loved God and learning like through Sunday school and through different settings, getting to really understand who God was, was so foundational to my relationship with him. But I think it really went to a new level after my freshman year of call of high school. When I, through middle school, I was involved in our church group, had a lot of amazing friends and connected with them really well. And honestly, like learned how to be a friend in a whole new way during my middle school years. And then whenever I became a freshman, a lot of my group of friends just chose a different path, chose to do something different. And at that point, I kind of was like relationally stripped down to not very many friends. And I remember coming home multiple Fridays and just being so sad because I loved people and I wanted to interact with people, but the people I was being around were choosing different things. So then my going into my sophomore year was one of the most formative times. And from there until my senior year and then till now too, I just started seeing a whole new side of God. And he started speaking to me through um, a lot of visuals. And one of the biggest visuals that he showed me during that time, I guess there was two. One was like the idea of me opening a door and him standing in there with like working on things in his like workshop, God's workshop, um, <laughs> but him like standing there and just dropping everything he was working on and looking at me and saying, hi, I've been waiting for you all day long. Like, come in, let's chat, let's talk, what's going on? And whatever state that I was in, he would like meet me there and connect with me. And it took the verse of approaching his throne with confidence and allowed that to be the throne that I step into is anytime I know that my father is ready with open doors and open arms to like walk through any sin that I'm struggling with, any relational conflict, any like tension that I'm walking through. And in that place also he showed me like, it's you and me, it's me and you, everything else is going to change and go away. But this right here, like this relationship is going to last forever for all of eternity. And I remember in middle school or in high school, having so many exams and things going on and him just like whispering that in my ear as I'm walking to my locker, just being like, Hey, it's me and you, it's me and you. 
it's you and me. Everything else is going to change. This right here is a constant. And if everything else goes away, this will still be here. Uh, so those are like some of the most formative times in that a lot of it also came through my relationships with others. I got really involved in church going into my sophomore year, got really involved in church or in school and the people that were there and started specifically discipling two groups of girls, not really discipling, just being super relational and intentional to be like, y'all want to love Jesus together? Okay, let's go for it. And then, um, girls. yeah, younger, like my age girls, um, there are still some of my dearest friends today. And so it's no surprise that God continued to use relationships to be a way that I connect with him and that he connects with me and being on mission, seeing the people around me love God. And even that group of friends that I was closer with in middle school, I like still had healthy, good relationships with them because I'm just a, yeah, a relational person. <laughs> yeah. And I love that. I mean, obviously God created you and knit you together to be relational. Um, and, and I know that life, as a relational person, there's lots of opportunities to have unmet expectations with people when it comes to relationships, because if you've got a higher ideal for it, but the person doesn't, they don't have the same capacity for it, then there's, there's the gap. And so I love it that God, who once again knits you together, knew that what you needed to hear, the mantra that you needed to run in your head when people let you down was that's okay it's me and you it's you and me i mean i remember that i remember that being a huge about face for you oh that's right god yes all these people here they're amazing and it's so good to have them in our my life but really it's you and me and me and you and so parents if you've got a child that is highly relational then the sooner that you can point them toward God, who is also highly relational, but who is also omniscient, omnipresent, you know, and he can fill in the gap of all the things that the humans that walk this earth can't, then, um, then that satisfaction for relational connection will be met through the Heavenly Father. Yeah, you mentioned, um, I love it to talk about your high school story because, you know, you, you could have gotten mad, and, oh, uh, the friend groups, not what I want, you know, and a lot of, a lot of kids do go through friend group changes and, and, uh, you said you were involved in church and, and at school. Um, anything else you can remember just, we're talking to parents mainly is how can, you know, anything that you saw either with your siblings or with you of how your your, how we were able to help you or maybe push you away from your relationship with God. Hmm. I think, learning how to hear the voice of God and prioritizing that was a big deal in my life. And y'all definitely fostered an environment where that was accepted and uh, invited. And I think another significant piece was being highly involved, like being a part of the church and staying committed to the church. You guys have been a part of our same church forever. And that like loyalty and commitment to a body of like a family uh, really did impact me and still impacts me today and seeing the like the hurt that comes from families divorcing the church and running away from like a place of hurt which sounds dramatic but like that's what happens from a child's perspective when like a family leaves a family of people um and i think you guys just did a really good job of committing to the local church and i think that that impacted my relationship with god because 
I, yeah, I got to see the constants of family in the church. Um, and I think, yeah, there's not really many things I can think of that felt like it was hurtful. Um, I think ultimately y'all did a good job of allowing us to discover for ourselves and take our own journey and being an open space for each of us, for me included, like an open space for me, depending on whatever I was walking through. So whether it was, Hey, what are you learning in your Bible class? Because they're teaching at school or, Hey, how can we help support you in serving in different places of the church so that you can be discipled by those leaders too? That was significant. Yeah, I think that I've heard a few things I just want to drop into parents' ears is committing to the local church and being a part of the local church is, uh, it, it, it's just as a ground, it, it just provides this confidence for your kids and, and it's what they know. So then they want to go do it too. You know, all you guys have gotten involved in different churches, but, but still involved in a local church. Um, another thing is just having God conversations. You know, being the norm and having God conversations be the norm in the home really does in the formative years, you know, develops, uh, helps you develop your own relationship with God. And I think the other thing that I think I've seen in your life, and I'd like you to comment on it too, is, uh, you, you know, we were talking about as, young, as a young child, you got around adults in the church. Well, that has never changed. I mean, you've always been around, you have, I don't know that if, if you have sought out or connected with mentors in the local church, and there's still people you come back and visit with today that were in your life in middle school and high school, right? Yeah, for sure. And that's something that me and the boys talk about a lot is the need and the value for mentorship, mentorship and choosing like, oh, that person, I admire what's inside of them. I want to get around them so that I can learn from what they've walked through. And there are multiple women that I've chosen to do that with. And I, as like a sophomore, junior, even a freshman was like, okay, I want to get around this person. So I'm going to, even though they have a crazy life and they have children and they're doing all these different things, I'm going to ask, can I get a coffee date with you? Like, can you, can I just come over and watch your kids with you and ask you questions? And I did that. And I still do that all the time. I'm like, there's, I don't not want to choose to interact with someone because of not thinking that I could, you know, like, I think that they have wisdom that they want to share. And I think y'all did a good job of fostering that too, of having amazing people around you that I would want to be around. And then also those people being willing to invest in me. Cool. Yeah. You're so good. So good. Relationally. We had a, when we had our wedding shower for Mackenzie, all of these women that she had picked to speak into her life came and just said, just the most incredible things because she was willing to have a mentor because she was teachable because she was willing to connect and be inconvenienced. And she was actually willing to inconvenience too, which is something that I think that you've grown into that little girl who didn't want to bother anybody and didn't want to, you know, declare her needs or even acknowledge her needs. But you've now grown into this woman that, Oh, this is what I need and I'm going to go for it. And they can, they can say no and they can not, do it but i'm gonna at least ask yeah i think one of the things i learned from this discussion or just want to bring out to parents is is notice the but notice the shy girl notice the one that's in the shadows and do your best to draw them out because they they need to be seen and heard when you say 
Mm -hmm, For sure. And knowing that it's uncomfortable for them. So similar to how someone who's uncomfortable in a cold shower, like that's might be how they interact in the space. (laughs) And I feel that too. Like I currently still feel uncomfortable whenever I'm talking about myself being put on the scene or putting in the middle of the, um, having, I feel embarrassment whenever I'm the center of attention. And so knowing that those might be the feelings that this child this might be feeling. Yeah, I was going to say thank you. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> thank you for letting us have you be the center of attention. And Mackenzie's uh, an amazing young lady. And uh, we, we really have enjoyed just uh, getting to spend some time with you. Thanks. I often say whenever I'm talking to a group of people, because that's a large part of my job now, is I'm a lot better at the one-on-ones than the masses. And so <laughs> give me the one-on-ones and I will shine. Yeah. Anything as we wrap this up, anything you'd like to say to parents um, that are anxiously hanging on your every word because they want to parent their little girl. Or they see similarities. I can think of several little girls that are so much like you. What would you say to these parents to help them parent you (laughs) in their child? I think a few things. One is give them a voice. Let them know that they can say no and that they can say yes um also let them like try to help them identify their emotions i literally at the age of 20 learned that i had anger <laughs> like that <laughs> it took a long time to realize that i can be angry and still have a smile on my face and that angry anger causes change and so it's okay for there to be anger as long as it's like used well um so yeah i think that's another thing is like help help your child learn their emotions which is probably my counselor coming out more than my (laughs) (laughs) my uh child your whole person (laughs) Mm -hmm. and then i think also like letting letting the child if they want to be an adult world like talking to them in that space as an adult and i mean obviously they're still a child and so it's that balance of hey i want you to have your childhood and so let's go play um but also like, yes, we can engage in those conversations. And I had a really helpful moment as an adult talking to both of you about realizing, oh my goodness, I think I was an adult as a child. Like, what, who, whose fault is this? Like, who should I be blaming about my adulthood? And y'all just really kindly came in and we're like, we chose a relationship with you instead of forcing you to go play with the kids all the time. Uh, and so I think moms and especially if you have a little girl who sticks by your hip and listens to all of your conversations and is a part of them instead of shooing her away learn her and figure out what is drawing her to be there and potentially like having solid adult women that could pour into her in different ways um and then dads see them too see them and if they're a girl or a boy or whatever the father has an amazing ability to speak identity and truth. And so speak it, speak it out, even if they're quiet, even if they ask a lot of questions, try to ask them in return um, and just choose relationship. Yep. I was going to, that's so good. And just, you know, dads, if you're listening, I mean, it worked out well that um, Dawn is quality time and McKenzie was quality time, but I think that there's a lot of men that might not be quality time. And if you've got a little, I mean, all children are quality time. They all want to be spent, you know, they all want to hang out with you. And so I just encourage you parents to, especially if it's a quality time child to, you can know that know that and then just those little minutes here and there and I I mean I definitely don't know that we did it right Don did it a lot better 
than I did for sure, because he's a quality time too. Um, but just pay attention to that because I think that that speaks volumes to, like you said, their identity and their confidence and security and all of that. Who knows your kid best? Um, you know, we're trying to get you parents to understand your kids better by seeing the differences in our kids and seeing how each child is so different. Each child had their own uh, issues, own strengths, own um, ways of thinking. And it's just fascinating to me how, how that works in every family's different, every kid's different. And uh, he didn't make us all the same. So I appreciate Kenzie you getting on with us and really just sharing your heart about, um, you know, you're growing up and throughout the years in all the different relationships because that parent to kid relationship is so important that you parents know your kid best. So thanks for sharing with us. Thanks for being with us today. And we will continue on with Michael next time. And we'll touch on also his special relationship with Mackenzie as well. So uh, until then, go be crazy parents, crazycoolfamily.com.